Welcome to the 15th episode of Hashtag Wolves. I'm your host, Noah, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Will in the Wolf's Den. How are we doing? Doing great. We got a really, really great episode lined up for you guys. Uh, lots of games to cover, so we've decided to switch it up and go kind of rapid fire through the games uh, and then get to some really big talkers at the end from the Wolves and around the NBA. So what we're going to be covering in the episode today is last Monday's game against the Grizzlies, then the home game Wednesday against Atlanta, Friday's road game against the Mavs, and Sunday's home game against the Utah Jazz. Then before we jump into the big topics, I'm going to test Noah's knowledge of how closely he covered these games and what he thinks of these really tanking, what he thinks of some of our uh, competition from the past week. But for all that, we'll get started with uh, Monday's game against the Grizzlies. Don't relax. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be all good. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, like, I don't get notice of these quizzes. Like, oh, why is no one doing so? It's a pop quiz. <laughs> yep, yeah. So, you know. Take it with a grain of salt. This one's tough. You can play You can play at home. This one's really tough. So <laughs> Monday's game against the Grizzlies was a loss. So I'm just going to take a quick moment to let that sink in. We lost to the Memphis Grizzlies at home, 101-93. to uh, At that point, they had lost 23 of their last 24, Noah, and it was really ugly. That, that 24th game, though, you know? Picked up the win. So. Yeah, yeah. You could see them as a formidable opponent. You could Silver say line. you could say it's a trend. You could definitely say that they've won now like two out of their last twenty-four at that point. Not not a whole lot of stats that are indicative of how the team played, but just from watching it, there was no intensity or coherence. There were times when the Wolves were in the game late and were playing good defense, but just couldn't get their offense to flow at all. get the victory against Atlanta at home, uh, but not as exactly the margin of victory that I wanted. Uh, the big talker, though, was Carl Anthony Towns said challenge. Uh, did you see this over? They were playing like Fortnite or Player Unknown oh, Battlegrounds together. I sent this to you, and I was like, "What is it? Oh, what is it? Well, who you got tomorrow?" He's, "I got the Hawks," and they both just kind of like Vincent was just kind of laughed and like, "Oh, you'll be good." But and then I sent it to you all pissed, like, "Cat thinks it's funny that we're playing all these crappy teams, and you know, like he needs to get his rest. You know, we gotta get the four seed and all this stuff." And then he just shuts me up and goes, "Scores 56." So I guess I just need to make fun of Cat more often. Yeah, I think they had like another exchange. Um, maybe we could get that going in the playoffs. You know, fingers crossed that Towns is just up late playing games, and then the next night he's scoring like 55 at home. I'd take it. Kind of the dream. Yeah, but uh, we get the win over a bad team. Um, 
everyone on the Hawks was hitting threes, and then Town kind of matched it with six of eight of his own. So rattle off fifty six. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so where like Muscala would hit a couple threes, he went four for six. Town scored fifty six. Uh, Kavanaugh hit went two for four, but Town scored fifty six. So it's kind of a one man army <laughs> out there. Um, but big ups to him. Uh, and we got the win, which I think is ultimately most important. So what part. you're saying is we lost by eight to the Grizz, and the only reason we won that Atlanta game was because we had someone score 56 points. Yes, like do not confuse winning with playing well. We won. I don't think we played all that well. Um, we got like a free game breaker. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think actually, killer transition win against the Mavs. Didn't exactly think we played well. Yeah, huge win by one. Yeah. <laughs> and Silver Linings playbook, uh, under 100, doesn't happen very often for the Wolves, like holding the team to under 100. I, yeah, we got to enjoy it. Yeah. I like They had to put a, a just like a permanent third digit into the Wolves scoreboard. Mm -hmm. um, but no one really went off against a crappy team. Like, if we could just split that 56 into like a 28 and 28 for the boys, I'd be... Uh, Pretty happy with that. Yeah, I would take that any day. It's not how basketball works. <laughs> so we won basically by Crawford waving off a pick and making a game-winning shot. Quote from Towns, that was one of the coldest shots I've ever seen. So we're all happy for Jamal here, but kind of the only takeaway from the game in the positive note, given that we beat the Mavs at, well, at the Mavs, so mm -hmm. you know, give them some mm -hmm. credit, but only one by one. So they kept it really close at the end. Wiggins only had eight points. I mean, Jamal had his 24, but Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. sort of held their own and kept them in the game. Again, another another just all three of these games, you could really write a, just a poor headline about, yeah, we won two of three of them, but lose the Grizz by eight. Atlanta only win because Cat scores 56, and then the Mavs, what? You win by one. Yeah. So basically flip a coin against the Mavs, which is not a situation I want to be in. Mm -hmm. I was in a dark place with the Timberwolves <laughs> this week and I was watching the game while out at dinner and when I saw that the Mavs had like a few seconds maybe you know under 10 seconds left and we're down by four it's like the Mavs are gonna they're gonna win this game I just had absolutely no faith and then they kick it and I saw ties close out on the shooter and they hit it and I was just like we're we're just gonna be stuck in the doldrums of no playoffs for the rest of my days. <laughs> so it was tough. So we got the win. We got the win. Ultimately, that's the big thing. Nobody panicked. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. Maybe we're gonna like. Uh, you know. Be on the up and up after this match. Yeah. Right? What happened after that one? Noah? Oh, you lose to the Jazz <laughs> by twenty four points, and Rubio. Yes, Rubio scores twenty three on you. That and he's for everyone that remembers, he used to play for the Timberwolves. Not an elite scorer. Yeah. Right? Used to play for like a Spanish league team and score eight points a game mm -hmm. so that's tough very tough we didn't have Teague really missed him um the bench got some run Patton got in there George's Hunt Brooks but I mean that's not really that doesn't really make up for the 24 point loss I don't really think we need bench development in the last few games of the year sort of this is the time to lock in yes have the starters come in and pick up a nice W definitely I think you could take a silver lining that um, we didn't give, so Rubio was their leading scorer, which is kind of like a punch in the face. I really, I like Rubio. Um, so I, I want him to do well, but obviously we're in a grind against the Jazz. But how many games have you seen him where he sort of leads the, like the game 
points wise, but also in just sort of like a, a dominating effort way. Yeah, you know what I mean? right, right. You're so it's like, oh, Rubio got twelve assists. Like that'll really show well up in analytics and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's he's not like like. He's even getting like the Sports Center highlight reel here. Yeah, exactly. He beat us in a way that is not really his game. And then what makes it even worse, or if you want to spit it, makes it better that we didn't give up the most assists to Rubio. Joe Inglis was slinging it out out there. One of my favorite players. I really like him. Yeah, looks like he could be on a YMCA floor. He's a scorer. Yes, that's just it. I'd rather have Joe uh, Inglis go off for thirty plus. Then Rubio get twenty plus. You yeah, know I, mean? like, I, I just can't, especially when you want the trade, right? You can't think like that, but it kind of sucks when he just comes back and bites it with the twenty three. Right. So I don't know. Do we give? Would you give that guy a max contract, or would you cut him, Joe Ingles? I have no idea what to do with him. Maybe if he had better hair, I would think he's like a really good well, NBA player. The Bank of the Wolves would sure give him a max. Contract. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's not get Dude, into that right now. <laughs> Let's not fire up Noah just yet. No, he the wasn't. A, did enough. He wasn't a first overall pick out of Kansas, so we don't really, really need to worry about that at this <laughs> point. Um, so after that really rough loss at home, that puts us at two and two on the week. Noah, you said that's a C. Yes, and I did say that it'd be nice to go two and to go five hundred with our time without Butler. Mm-hmm. But I mean, given the context of playing the Jazz. Atlanta, Mavs, and Grizzlies. Obviously, the Jazz is a pretty formidable opponent, but the other three are, you know, teams that you should have a 80-90% chance of beating, or at least you would like to think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that we proved otherwise. And it's more that we lost the Jazz by 24, and then the wins that we did pick up, like I said, were because of Cat sort of taking over, which isn't how you win playoff games, which mm-hmm. is what we're going to try to do. Yes. And then beating the Mavs by one. So, not really much to write home about, given that context, and I guess that's why I give it, like, a C. And the only reason that I give it a C and not, like, a D or worse is because, I mean, what? In you go end, 500. In the end, you do to go 2-2, two and two, which is sort of what I asked for. Yes. And I think you made a really good point about slicing up the week kind of into close games against really bad teams, and then a blowout against another playoff team. So... That being said, Noah, do I have a question for you? <laughs> so we, this past week, we play uh, Memphis, Atlanta, and the Mavs, and then the Jazz. And you could pick three teams in there that would arguably be tanking. Uh, so I took a quick look at all of their starting fives, and I don't think I could name a lot of Memphis, the players. Memphis, Atlanta, and... And uh, nice. Memphis, Atlanta, and Dallas. Oh, from so Noah, yes. what I would like you to try to do is name as many starting players out of that batch of fifteen as you can, with the caveat that as soon as you get one wrong, you're cut off. So as many names as you can get right consecutively. Uh, Start with the easy ones. Start with the seven foot German. Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki starts for the, or he started for the Dallas Mavericks. That's one. Okay. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. Yep, that's two. Harrison Barnes starts. Yep. You can jump to another team if you need to. You got three from the Mavs. Big Mavs guy. Um, (laughs) Dallas is the sister city of Minneapolis. (laughs) Um, The Twin Cities of (laughs) the Deep South. (laughs) Is Conley on the Grizzlies still? Is, Is that your final answer? Yeah. Michael Conley is injured. He is not on the Grizzlies. So Noah gets three starters out of the 
15 from the tanking teams. I thought this would be an interesting thought experiment because listen to these starters from the teams that we played this week. Jamichael Green, he's good. Jarrell Martin, no idea. Marcus Gasol, <laughs> used to be good. Ah, oh, I should have gotten that one. <laughs> Andrew Harrison and Dylan Brooks. That was the Grizzlies starting lineup. I'm starting to not feel bad about this mistake. No, no, no. We lost to that team. The Hawks, Torian Prince. Nope. John Collins. Dwayne Dedman, Damian Lee, Isaiah Taylor. Oh, my God. And the Mavs, where you went three for five. Harrison Barnes, Dirk Nowitzki, Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, stop. Uh, Yogi Ferrell. Did he start? Uh, yes. And D. Powell. I didn't even take the time to mark down his first name. So <laughs> okay. don't don't beat yourself up. But that was kind of some context. So two things. I'm... I, I feel like I got like a B on that. Oh, absolutely. It's not, no indictment on you. Second... How did we lose to them? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was it was a rough game. I, once I was going through the starting lineup, I was like, I'm definitely quizzing Noah on the starters from this past week. I'm glad. Yeah, I think that was <laughs> I think that was worthwhile for the both of us. Um, should we make a smooth transition to talking about Jimmy coming back? Yes, but I'll also just say that we gave our listeners some spicy trivia that they can use at the bar. That's true. That's true. You can definitely... That one's free. The next one, uh, we'll do like a paid-for subscription. Tune in to Will Quizzes Noah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jimmy uh, has a quote this week about our defense. And, like, what what do you have to say about the team? Overall, like, spark notes if you didn't listen to it... um, he chirped our team just regarding defense, not in like a malicious way, but just sort of we need to be a better defensive team and sort of go out there and hustle every minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really easy to say these things given the last week, and there's probably some legitimacy to them. And the sort of the big catchy headline was that he felt that none of this was Tibbs's fault. Something along the lines of like a player, like a coach doesn't teach hustle or like, you know, hustle comes from you. Or yeah, no coach so- in the world really generates hustle. Yeah, which I guess I could beg to differ on a little bit, but I, I get what he's saying. Like, right mm-hmm. it, in the end, it comes down to these guys stepping up in his absence and being being able to play without his leadership and obviously his abilities on the court. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's just sort of seeing that and sort of letting his team know that when he comes back, he's going to have some expectations. Right, going into playoffs, I think it's a very smart thing to do. Get him a few games where Jimmy's sort of lighting a fire underneath him and bring that into the playoffs. I don't have an issue with that at all. I thought it was, I mean, as always, Jimmy was pretty goofy about the quote and handled it well, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that he's back with full contact and he just wants to win. Mm-hmm. As always, he's just really hard to hate. Yes, exactly. I mean, someone, I think someone really had to say it. It's good to see Jimmy on the path to recovery because for me, it means he can kind of insert himself more, like say he had torn his ACL and he was just going to go do his rehab somewhere for the rest of the year we wouldn't have this presence kind of close by. I wouldn't, you know, you know, maybe not, but since he's coming back, you can, you can stay close to the team and you yep. can continue to press guys and defend Tibbs. And to some degree, like who else would this come from? Right. Like, mm-hmm. Who else sort of has the pedigree to get in front of a mic and talk like Jimmy does. Right. If Towns does it, his peers, like age wise kind of probably laugh at him and they're like, Hey, chill. Like, we get it. You're the best player. Like, yeah. Where I feel like everyone has a certain amount of like friendship, but also respect for Jimmy, and, and like, not like an elderly way, but no, absolutely. I mean, like, he's his, the his age. He's the leader on the team, and then his connection to Tibbs. So I think he bridges sort of that relationship between player and coach, 
mm-hmm. which I think can sometimes diver- I mean, separate as you get older, even yeah. on like a college level basketball team or something, just because, I mean, what, you're an adult and they're an adult, so authority sort of takes a different feel. I mean, when you're eight and your coach is 45, it's like, of course he's the authority figure. So I, I think it sometimes a player does need to come in and back up their coach and give them that support so that all the criticism can stop landing on them. Right. And they can focus on how they're, they've had a shortcoming and need to improve. Yeah, it's co- I, I'm always interested in like the coaching player dynamics and professionals because like you like you said, everybody's an adult and you got a lot of like alpha males in a room, you know, who who are you gonna listen to? Or how are you going to take a back seat and listen to that coach? Jimmy yeah, does every, a really good job. Everyone on that court has been immensely successful in what they've done up to that point. Right. So how, how are you just going to listen to, frankly, an old man who just screams all the time? Yes. So Go back and watch some film tips. Yeah. That's, I, think, I think that's how you do it. <laughs> so, and he, what, he, he said his, uh, he went through full contact practice today. Yep. And uh, Teague didn't. But I think he was in some drills or something to that effect. Yeah, we definitely missed Teague. I mean, we missed Jimmy over the last stretch of just trying to kind of stay afloat. We definitely missed Teague against Utah, and our bench depth has kind of taken a hit. We only went eight deep against Memphis, Atlanta, and Dallas. Yeah, now's not the time to do some weird chemistry experiment with Patton and George's Hunt and all this right, stuff. Right, like, right. At the beginning of the year, I could have come in and criticized him for not utilizing them as much, but any coach would say now is just not. Yeah, it obviously was out of necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because we're missing guys, but it's it's just sort of inconvenient, especially you, like leaders win those games against Atlanta and things like that, right? Yeah, it's old news. Did so they I, punch the team in the gut? Yeah, that's my dad's and a leader. It also goes back to Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, Jimmy, I think would make a big impact in that regard, and just defensively, we definitely need him. Definitely, definitely need him. MVP, MVP type player. One yes. Say. Oh, that is a that's been a hot topic <laughs> across our uh, the text message between the two of us. Um, to be clear, that was a segue. I don't think Jimmy Butler will win the MVP. No, I don't think so. I think he was in the conversation a while ago. Go check the tape around episode six or something. I probably threw it out there. Um, Noah, I'd like to get your take on the MVP because I think we or how the MVP gets determined uh, because this might be a schism between the pod. Yeah, we had a, a spicy text conversation around this topic, and I guess what it comes down to for me is who is, like, the best player. Obviously, there's many ways to sort of describe that situation, but I guess my definition is, like, who would help uh, a team that they're put on to, right? Mm-hmm. So what that takes, what that doesn't include is the team success of that year, which I think is your main point, that if you... If you have two, if you have a player who's the first best player in the league and the one who's the second, if one of them, if the second best player carries his team to a 700 season and the NBA Finals versus a you know under 500 season and they don't make the playoffs, I still think you should take the best player in the NBA. Uh, obviously, kind of similar- obviously, who's categorizing the best player in the NBA is. But I'm saying if there was an, a completely objective measure that everyone well, recognized. But. Well, the, the great example for that, um, and you, maybe you can agree with this or not, would be Russell Westbrook from last year. His team didn't have a tremendous amount of success record-wise. 
Uh, but a lot of people were like, wow, he's just having a great individual season. And then you get some storylines with the triple-double thing. But would you say that kind of speaks to your point or not so much? I think it happened to coincide with my point. But the reason that he got it, I believe, to be the triple-double effect. Yeah. And I don't that doesn't really have much of a place in sort of analytics or objective measures of who's the best player. Gotcha. Would you pay attention to the NBA if there were no games, but they just posted analytics afterwards on, like, who did well? Yes. Okay, got it, got it. Just just checking, like, I NBA 2K you, like, simulation. Wait, what's different in this, in <laughs> in this, this world? In this situation, yeah. You, you catch enough games to kind of keep your love of basketball. Yeah, it, it's to put up a facade of being, like, a, a beer-drinking fan. Yeah, true, true. I think one thing we disagree on, too, is, like, the place of storylines within the voting like, I don't always love it because it gets overblown, but I like that you can introduce nuance. Like, you have subjective voters who are like, wow, the, you know, James Harden has been really, really close each year. Now he has kind of a body of work that supports his MVP case. You know, th- those kind of nuance and circumstances build into not just, wow, if we could boil it down to one metric, this guy clearly rises above. So I guess, like, if you had to objectively answer what I'm asking, like, if there was that objective measure and one player was better than any other, but the circumstances we described were in play, you, you would you would take more of the subjective storyline? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I would, or I'm, you know, I don't know how I'd vote, but I'm glad it's there. Okay. You know, so then you're, you make room for people to talk and to disagree and to be upset about who got snubbed rather than all the writers can just hold up one number and go, look, LeBron was leading in VORP, you knuckleheads. This is clearly, this is clearly the best decision. Mm-hmm. You can like, what would the MV or what would the NBA be like without people being really, really upset about awards or like rankings of who's the best player? It's part, it's part of what I like about the NBA. The drama gets a little too intense for me, but if you send me a link to like, hey, look at this spreadsheet, I'll send you a link like, hey, look what Bill Simmons had to say about this person for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, though, five months ago, I posted to the Timberwolves subreddit, or NBA subreddit, last six seasons, the player with the highest VORP is named MVP. Wow. Looks like we may not be so different after all. Yeah, so in coincidence, like, we might we might, we might align, but for completely different reasons. Right. And Harden is number one in VORP this year. Yeah. And he is, what, is he your ESPN? He would be, yeah, he would be my, like, mix the storylines, you know, put this all, all the ingredients together. You've got the number one team, Harden's been really, really close, and they've been getting all the public, like, he's the MVP for me. And VORP would say the same thing. Vorp and then Basketball Reference also has an MVP award tracker that mm-hmm. they use. And, and and one of the things they include in it is win-loss percentage, among other sort of advanced metrics and just sort of efficiency, I guess I would say. Yeah. And they put them at a 69% chance to win with Chris Paul and LeBron James being tied for a second. Right. And then after that, it sort of adds up to 5 or 6%. So it sounds like we are looking at the, the vase and face thing. So we look at the MVP debate. And you're kind of like, there's a vase. No, I'm like, there's a face. But then we don't it's ever switch it back and forth. It's all in the same picture? Yes. Okay. I, I think that's... This has been a good like ther- therapeutic session for me. Yeah, I was I was expecting it to be a little bit more heated, but I guess like we're not so different, you and I. I don't think we're meant for the, the first take style. No, that's true. Just like, hey, what do you think about this? I kind of agree. 
Welcome to Minnesota. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, quick rundown of some upcoming games and what to expect from your Timberwolves. Yep. Um, so, our expectation is playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And who we've got coming up is uh, on the road against Denver, on the road against LA, and home against Memphis. And then I believe we close out the season at home against Denver. Denver. So, a couple matchups against Denver. I'd love to see two and two. Do you know why I remember the last game of the year against Denver? Because you're going to the game? Uh, quite the opposite. Why? So I was looking at my tickets like, oh, I really want to go to this game with Will. And I texted you. And you said you couldn't. So, just so you know. Wow. The listeners did not... That, that stung just a little bit. <laughs> no. We could have some animosity towards Well, yeah, that's true. So we'll, we'll debate about that. But the that's <laughs> what we need to see is a few wins from the Timberwolves over that stretch. Just back us into the playoffs. Yep. We'll do a 90 degree back into a 7th or 8th speed. Speaking of 90, Wolves have 91% chance to make the playoffs according good. to 538. Good, good. I think we're there. But yes, we're playing for a higher seed. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Um, so until that time, howl. Howl.